section nine of the life of samuel johnson volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by tony oliva the life of samuel johnson volume three by james boswell section nine no man ate more heartily than johnson or loved better what was nice and delicate mr wilkes was very assiduous in helping him to some fine veal pray give me leave sir it is better here a little of the brown some fat sir a little of the stuffing some gravy let me have the pleasure of giving you some butter allow me to recommend a squeeze of this orange or the lemon perhaps may have more zest sir sir i am obliged to you sir cried johnson bowing and turning his head to him with a look for some time of surly virtue but in a short while of complacency footnote johnson's london a poem boswell how when competitors like these contend can surly virtue hope to fix a friend End of footnote foot being mentioned johnson said he is not a good mimic one of the company added a merry andrew a buffoon johnson but he has wit too and is not deficient in ideas or in fertility and variety of imagery and not empty of reading he has knowledge enough to fill up his part one species of wit he has in an eminent degree that of escape you drive him into a corner with both hands but he's gone sir when you think you have got him like an animal that jumps over your head then he has a great range for wit he never lets truth stand between him and a jest and he is sometimes mighty coarse garrick is under many restraints from which foot is free footnote johnson had said much the same at a dinner in edinburgh End of footnote. wilkes garrick's wit is more like lord chesterfield's johnson the first time i was in company with foot was at fitzherbert's having no good opinion of the fellow i was resolved not to be pleased and it is very difficult to please a man against his will footnote to convince any man against his will is hard but to please him against his will is justly pronounced by dryden to be above the reach of human abilities End of footnote i went on eating my dinner pretty sullenly affecting not to mind him but the dog was so very comical that i was obliged to lay down my knife and fork throw myself back upon my chair and fairly laugh it out no sir he was irresistible footnote foot told me that johnson said of him for loud obstreperous broad-faced mirth i know not his equal boswell End of footnote. he upon one occasion experienced in an extraordinary degree the efficacy of his powers of entertaining amongst the many and various modes which he tried of getting money he became a partner with a small beer brewer and he was to have a share of the profits for procuring customers among his numerous acquaintance fitzherbert was one who took his small beer but it was so bad that the servants resolved not to drink it they were at some loss how to notify their resolution being afraid of offending their master who they knew liked foot much as a companion at last they fixed upon a little black boy who was rather a favourite to be their deputy and deliver their remonstrance and having invested him with the whole authority of the kitchen he was to inform mr fitzherbert in 
all their names upon a certain day that they would drink foot's small beer no longer on that day foot happened to dine at fitzherbert's and this boy served at table he was so delighted with foot's stories and merriment and grimace that when he went downstairs he told him this is the finest man i have ever seen i will not deliver your message i will drink his small beer somebody observed that garrick could not have done this wilkes garrick would have made the small beer still smaller he is now leaving the stage but he will play scrub all his life footnote in farquhar's bow stratagem scrub thus describes his duties of a monday i drive the coach of a tuesday i drive the plough on wednesday i follow the hounds a thursday i done the tenants on friday i go to the market on saturday i draw warrants and a sunday i draw beer act three scene three and a footnote i knew that johnson would let nobody attack garrick but himself as garrick once said to me and i had heard him praise his liberality so to bring out his commendation of his celebrated pupil i said loudly i have heard garrick is liberal johnson yes sir i know that garrick has given away more money than any man in england that i am acquainted with and that not from ostentatious views garrick was very poor when he began life so when he came to have money he probably was very unskilful in giving it away and saved when he should not but garrick began to be liberal as soon as he could and i am of opinion the reputation of avarice which he has had has been very lucky for him and prevented his having many enemies you despise a man for avarice but do not hate him garrick might have been much better attacked for living with more splendour than is suitable to a player if they had had the wit to have assaulted him in that quarter they might have galled him more but they have kept clamouring about his avarice which has rescued him from much obloquy and envy talking of the great difficulty of obtaining authentic information for biography johnson told us when i was a young fellow i wanted to write the life of dryden and in order to get materials i applied to the only two persons then alive who had seen him footnote dryden had been dead but thirty-six years when johnson came to london and a footnote these were old swinney and old sibber footnote owen mcswinney a buffoon formerly director of the playhouse walpole records one of his puns old horace had left the house of commons to fight a duel and at once returned and was so little moved as to speak immediately upon the cambric bill which made swinney say that it was a sign he was not ruffled End of footnote swinney's information was no more than this that at will's coffee-house dryden had a particular chair for himself which was set by the fire in winter and was then called his winter chair and that it was carried out for him to the balcony in summer and was then called his summer chair sibber could tell no more but that he remembered him a decent old man arbiter of critical disputes at will's footnote a more amusing version of the story is in johnsoniana on the authority of mr folk so sir said johnson to sibber i find you know knew uh, mr dryden know him oh lord i was as well acquainted with him as if he had been my own brother then you can tell me some anecdotes of him oh 
yes a thousand why we used to meet him continually at a club at buttons i remember as well as if it were but yesterday that when he came into the room in winter time he used to go and sit by the fire in one corner and in summer time he would always go and sit in the window thus sir said johnson what with the corner of the fire in winter and the window in the summer you see that i got much information from sibber of the manners and habits of dryden johnson gives in his life of dryden the information that he got from swinney and sibber dr wharton who had written on pope found in one of the poet's female cousins a still more ignorant survivor he had been taught to believe that she could furnish him with valuable information incited by all that eagerness which characterized him he sat close to her and inquired her consanguinity to pope pray sir said she did you not write a book about my cousin pope yes madam they tell me twas vastly clever he wrote a great many plays did not he i have heard of only one attempt madam oh no i beg your pardon that was mr shakespeare i always confound them End of footnote you are to consider that sibber was then at a great distance from dryden had perhaps one leg only in the room and durst not draw in the other boswell yet sibber was a man of observation johnson i think not footnote johnson told malone that sibber was much more ignorant even of matters relating to his own profession than he could well have conceived any man to be who had lived nearly sixty years with players authors and the most celebrated characters of the age End of footnote. boswell you will allow his apology to be well done johnson very well done to be sure sir footnote there are very few wrote goldsmith who do not prefer a page of montaigne or collie sibber who can candidly tell us what they thought of the world and the world thought of them to the more stately memoirs and transactions of europe End of footnote. that book is a striking proof of the justice of pope's remark each might his several province well command would all but stoop to what they understand boswell and his plays are good johnson yes but that was his trade l'esprit du corps he had been all his life among players and playwrights footnote sibber wrote as bad odes as garrick but then sibber wrote the careless husband and his own life which both deserve immortality pope says all this may be the people's voice is odd it is and it is not the voice of god to gammer girton if it give the bays and yet deny the careless husband praise or say our fathers never broke a rule why then i say the public is a fool and a footnote i wondered that he had so little to say in conversation for he had kept the best company and learnt all that can be got by the ear he abused pindar to me and then showed me an ode to his own with an absurd couplet making a linnet soar on an eagle's wing i told him that when the ancients made a simile they always made it like something real mr wilkes remarked that among all the bold flights of shakespeare's imagination the boldest was making burnham wood march to dunsinane creating a wood where there never was a shrub a word in scotland ha 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 and he also observed that the clannish slavery of the highlands of scotland was the single exception in milton's remark of the mountain nymph sweet liberty being worshipped in all hilly countries when i was at inverary said he 
on a visit to my old friend archibald duke of argyle his dependents congratulated me on being such a favorite of his grace i said it is then gentlemen truly lucky for me for if i had displeased the duke and he had wished it there is not a campbell among you but would have been ready to bring john wilkes head to him in a charger it would have been only off with his head so much for aylesbury footnote catesby my liege the duke of buckingham is taken richard off with his head so much for buckingham Colley sibbers richard third act four scene one end of footnote i was then member for aylesbury dr johnson and mr wilkes talked of the contested passage in horace's art of poetry difficile est proprie communia dicere mr wilkes according to my note gave the interpretation thus it is difficult to speak with propriety of common things as if a poet had to speak of queen caroline drinking tea he must endeavor to avoid the vulgarity of cups and saucers but upon reading my note he tells me that he meant to say that the word communia being a roman law term signifies here things communis juris that is to say what have never yet been treated by any body and this appears clearly from what followed tuque rectius iliacum carmen deducis in actus quam si proferis ignota indictaque primus you will easier make a tragedy out of the iliad than on any subject not handled before footnote my very pleasant friend himself as well as others who remember old stories will no doubt be surprised when i observe that john wilkes here shows himself to be of the warburtonian school it is nevertheless true as appears from dr hurd the bishop of worcester's very elegant commentary and notes on the epistola ad pisones it is necessary to a fair consideration of the question that the whole passage in which the words occur should be kept in view si quid in expertum scene comitis et audes personam formare novam servetur ad imum qualis ab incepto processerit et sibi constet difficile est proprie communia dicere tuque rectius iliacum carmen deducis in actus quam si proferis ignota indictaque primus publica materies privati juris erit si non circa vilem patulumque moraberis orbem nec verbum verbo curabis redere fidus interpres ne edesilies imitator in artum unde pedem proferre pudor vetat aut operis lex the commentary thus illustrates it but the formation of quite new characters is a work of great difficulty and hazard for here there is no generally received and fixed archetype to work after but every one judges of common right according to the extent and comprehension of his own idea therefore he advises to labor and refit old characters and subjects particularly those made known and authorized by the practice of homer and the epic writers the note is difficile est propie communia dicere lamben's comment is communia hoc loco appellat 
oratius argumenta fabularum a nullo aduc tractata etita que quivis exposita sunt et in medio quoda modo posita quasi vacua et a nemine occupata and that this is the true meaning of communia is evidently fixed by the words ignota indictaque which are explanatory of it so that the sense given it in the commentary is unquestionably the right one yet notwithstanding the clearness of the case a late critic has this strange passage difficile quidem esse proprie communia dicere hoc est materiam vulgarem notam et e medio petitam ita immutare aque exornare ut nova et scriptori propria videatur ultra concedimus et maximi procul dubio ponderis ista est observatio sed omnibus utrinque colatis et tum difficilis tum venusti tam judicii quam ingenii ratione abita major videtur esse gloria fabulam formare penitus novam quam veterem utcumque mutatam de novo exhibere where having first put a wrong construction on the word communia he employs it to introduce an impertinent criticism for where does the poet prefer the glory of refitting old subjects to that of inventing new ones the contrary is implied in what he urges about the superior difficulty of the latter from which he dissuades his countrymen only in respect of their abilities and inexperience in these matters and in order to cultivate in them which is the main view of the epistle a spirit of correctness by sending them to the old subjects treated by the greek writers for my own part with all deference for dr hurd who thinks the case clear i consider the passage difficile est proprie communia dicere to be a crux for the critics on horace the explication which my lord of worcester treats with so much contempt is nevertheless countenanced by authority which i find quoted by the learned baxter in his edition of horace difficile es proprie communia dicere hoc est res vulgaris disertis verbis enarare vel humile tema cum dignitate tractare difficile es communes res propriis explicare verbis capital v e t period capital s c h o l period i was much disappointed to find that the great critic dr bentley has no note upon this very difficult passage as from his vigorous and illuminated mind i should have expected to receive more satisfaction than i have yet had sanadon thus treats of it proprie communia dicere c'est à dire qu'il n'est pas aisé de former à ces personnages d'imagination des caractères particuliers et cependant raisemblables comme l'on a été le maître de les former tel qu'on a voulu les fautes que l'on fait en cela sont moins pardonnables c'est pourquoi horace conseille de prendre toujours des sujets connus tels que sont par exemple ceux 
que l'on peut tirer des poèmes d'homère and dacier observes upon it après avoir marqué les deux qualités qu'il faut donner aux personnages qu'on invente il conseille aux poètes tragiques de n'user pas trop facilement de cette liberté qu'ils ont dans inventer car il est très difficile de réussir dans ces nouveaux caractères il est malaisé dit horace de traiter proprement c'est-à-dire convenablement des sujets communs c'est-à-dire des sujets inventés et qui n'ont aucun fondement ni dans l'histoire ni dans la fable et il les appelle communs parce qu'ils sont en disposition à tout le monde et que tout le monde a le droit de les inventer et qu'ils sont comme on dit au premier occupant see his observations at large on this expression and the following after all i cannot help entertaining some doubt whether the words difficile es proprie communia dicere may not have been thrown in by horace to form a separate article in a choice of difficulties which a poet has to encounter who chooses a new subject in which case it must be uncertain which of the various explanations is the true one and every reader has a right to decide as it may strike his own fancy and even should the words be understood as they generally are to be connected both with what goes before and what comes after the exact sense cannot be absolutely ascertained for instance whether proprie is meant to signify in an appropriated manner as dr johnson here understands it or as it is often used by cicero with propriety or elegantly in short it is a rare instance of a defect in perspicuity in an admirable writer who with almost every species of excellence is peculiarly remarkable for that quality the length of this note perhaps requires an apology many of my readers i doubt not will admit that a critical discussion of a passage in a favorite classic is very engaging boswell boswell's french in this tedious note is left as he printed it End of footnote. johnson he means that it is difficult to appropriate to particular persons qualities which are common to all mankind as homer has done wilkes we have no city poet now that is an office which has gone into disuse the last was elkanah settle there is something in names which one cannot help feeling now elkanah settle sounds so queer who can expect much from that name we should have no hesitation to give it for john dryden in preference to elkanah settle from the names only without knowing their different merits footnote johnson after describing settle's attack on dryden continues such are the revolutions of fame or such is the prevalence of fashion that the man whose works have not yet been thought to deserve the care of collecting them who died forgotten in a hospital and whose latter years were spent in contriving shows for fairs might with truth have had inscribed upon his stone here lies the rival and antagonist of dryden pope introduces him in the dunciad in the description of the lord mayor's show pomps without guilt of bloodless swords and maces glad chains warm furs broad banners and broad faces now night descending the proud scene was o'er but lived in settle's numbers one day more in the third book the ghost of settle acts the part of guide in the elysian shade End of footnote. Johnson i suppose sir settle did as well for aldermen in his time as john home could do now 
where did beckford and trecothick learn english footnote johnson implies no doubt that they were both americans by birth trecothick was in the american trade but he was not an american of beckford walpole says under a jovial style of good humor he was tyrannic in jamaica his native country he came over to england when young and was educated in westminster school cowper describes a jocular altercation that passed when i was once in the gallery of the house between mr rigby and the late alderman beckford the latter was a very incorrect speaker and the former i imagine not a very accurate scholar he ventured however upon a quotation from terence and delivered it thus sine celere et vaco friget venus the alderman interrupted him was very severe upon his mistake and restored ceres to her place in the sentence mr rigby replied that he was obliged to his worthy friend for teaching him latin and would take the first opportunity to return the favour by teaching him english lord chatham in the house of lords said of trecothick i do not know in office a more upright magistrate nor in private life a worthier man End of footnote mr arthur lee mentions some scotch who had taken possession of a barren part of america and wondered why they should choose it johnson why sir all barrenness is comparative the scotch would not know it to be barren boswell come come he is flattering the english you have now been in scotland sir and say if you did not see meat and drink enough there johnson why yes sir meat and drink enough to give the inhabitants sufficient strength to run away from home all these quick and lively sallies were said sportively quite in jest and with a smile which showed that he meant only wit upon this topic he and mr wilkes could perfectly assimilate here was a bond of union between them and i was conscious that as both of them had visited caledonia both were fully satisfied of the strange narrow ignorance of those who imagine that it is a land of famine footnote oft have i heard thee mourn the wretched lot of the poor mean despised insulted scot who might calm reason credit idle tales by rancour forged where prejudice prevails or starves at home or practices through fear of starving arts which damn all conscience here churchill's prophecy of famine End of footnote. End of section 9